When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And then we even saw a few people running it. Yeah, so you can do that too. <laughs> is that something you're interested in, Matt? Because I think all you need is a pair of those little running shorts. And most of the guys we saw weren't even wearing shirts. No, I don't <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do it like that. <laughs> the, the ranger station would get a lot of would get a lot of bear sighting calls. And people would have their bear spray out yeah, at the ready. I would get sprayed. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it that way. All right. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today's episode is part one of a two-part series about Glacier National Park in Montana. One of the most beloved parks out of all the National Park Service sites. There's so much to see and do in Glacier and many different options of places to stay. Today we'll be talking about lodging that's unique to Glacier, the park's historic backcountry chalets built over a hundred years ago. And we'll also cover the details about the new reservation system for Going to the Sun Road, plus a great option for traveling through the park, the Hiker's Shuttle. Then in part two next week, we'll be discussing the historic hotels, our favorite hikes, and places to see that you won't want to miss during your next visit. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Well, welcome, Karen. How was your summer, Matt? Uh, it's good. It's still going. I hope it's not over. Oh, it's over. No, it's, it's over. not over. We... We, we still have a few weeks. I'm going to squeeze as much as I can out of the rest of the summer. Well, we did pretty well squeezing the fun out of the first part of the summer. Uh, we, we had a, We've had a good summer. We've done some good squeezing, yeah. Yeah, we stayed pretty close to home. We did some Oregon, Idaho, Montana, and Washington. Summer is such an amazing time here in the Pacific Northwest. So it was great. Lots of adventures, and a lot of them will be podcast episodes in the coming months. Yeah, look forward yeah, to those. Yeah. You know, we originally thought this would be the summer of the Fire Tower Lookout. Oh, yeah, because- that's right. You, you wanted to do <laughs> remember that. Remember, I declared that. <laughs> I, I remember you declaring that. Yeah, because Washington has so many great fire towers to explore, but we actually only made it to two this summer. Well, two's better than zero. There was so much snow at the higher elevations that stuck around for so long that we couldn't get to many of them. 
Yeah, you know what? We instead of the summer of the fire lookout tower, I think we could call it the summer of the McDonald's hot fudge sundae. No. <laughs> <laughs> because do you remember how you made me stop at McDonald's every afternoon between two and four? Well, because I found out that they will sell you an amazing hot fudge sundae for one dollar. <laughs> they'll sell it for Wait, a buck. For a buck. <laughs> For a buck. Then, then why did you always take two $20 bills out of my wallet every, every time? I didn't know they were a dollar. What? That was what? a service fee for going Wait, to get it, them. It did I, seem odd that the hot fudge Sundays were 20 bucks each. I, I will admit. But as they say, all good things have to come to an end. The summer of the hot fudge Sunday is over and it's time to get back to work. It feels really good to be back recording some new episodes, doesn't it? It does. So what are we talking about today, Karen? Well, we're talking about the Backcountry Chalets in Glacier National Park, but we should start with a really brief history, your favorite thing. Do you want to do a history channel today? Then when am I going to take my nap? I usually go get coffee and have some quiet time. <laughs> I know you do, but this time I insist. <laughs> oh, for me to do it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, it's okay, your right. turn this time. I, I will do the history channel part. I think this is a fascinating subject. Back in 1910, when they established Glacier National Park, in order to attract visitors, they had a See America First campaign. And the Great Northern Railway, which had a line that followed the southern boundary of the park, they built a series of Swiss-style chalets in the backcountry and to promote the tourism, to bring people to the park. Yeah, they built uh, not only those backcountry chalets, but they built tent camps. And of course, they built the luxurious hotels that are still there. And what's interesting is they built all of these about a horse about a day a horse length <laughs> apart. <laughs> about a day's horse ride apart, so that visitors could venture out on the trails and always have some place to stay for the night. Yeah, well back then in the early nineteen teens, there weren't roads like right. that like we have today. And so in order for visitors to get back into the park and see it, a lot of times it was just horseback. Just think about it, Matt. I mean, if you were a visitor back in 1914, you'd get off the train into this incredible wilderness park, and then you'd embark on a journey on horseback. And if you spent the night in all 10 chalets and the three park lodges, you'd be gone for two weeks. Just imagine what those lucky people must have seen out there. That would be pretty cool, I, I think. You would get to know your horse pretty well. But maybe back in 1914, people were more familiar with horses than we were when like, when we went on our horseback trip. Yeah, I don't think they needed to get monkey butt. <laughs> you think they got monkey butt? Or? No, that powder that we oh, bought. That, oh, that's the right. The, the Crocs powder? <laughs> I, I don't maybe they I'm... did. We should, you could do that in your next research project. See if they had Crocs powder back in 1914 for <laughs> <laughs> people going <laughs> to all the backcountry chalets. Could you look that up before next week's I, episode? That'll, that'll be on next week's History Channel. <laughs> okay, good. Also next week, we will talk about the hotels that they built, like Lake McDonald Lodge and Mini Glacier and Glacier Park. But today we're going to focus specifically on those backcountry chalets that they built between 1910 and 1915. Now, there were 10 of them at the time, and only three of them are still in service. But we're going to talk about all 10 of them. 
Some of them don't exist for a variety of reasons. We'll talk about that. So we did some research on the ones that are no longer there. Uh, let's start with there's one that was called Cutbank Chalet, and that was near St. Mary. Uh, that chalet opened in 1913. It was a series of log cabins and a dining hall. And even get this, there was a teepee there. That would have been fun to stay in. Uh, so this was a pretty big chalet. It was big enough for 42 guests. Now, it closed down in 1933 because of the Depression, and they dismantled the entire thing in 1948 and 1949. So another chalet that they built was called Two Medicine. And the log building that's now the Two Medicine Camp Store, if you ever go to that part of the park, it once was the dining hall and kitchen of that chalet complex there at Two Medicine. But uh, the log structures uh, were raised and, and burned in 1956. Yeah, and the only thing left is the camp store, which is a very cool building. In fact, we were just in there a few days ago. Right, and it's in great shape. Yeah, so if you're back in the Two Medicine area, check that out. It's, it's a really cool building to see, plus they have some fun things in there to buy. Now, another one was St. Mary Chalet on St. Mary Lake. That was built in 1912. The lodging was discontinued in 1934. It was dismantled in 1943. Now, this one was not as popular as the Going to the Sun Chalet, which we'll talk about, because it was at the very east entrance to the park. And apparently visitors who stopped there didn't feel like they were in the wilderness yet. Yeah, that area is flat land. Mm -hmm. You're not in the mountains. You kind of feel like you're still on the plains. Yeah, the, the more popular chalet in that area was the Going to the Sun. It was, it was also called the Sun Camp. And it was on St. Mary Lake, but it was further west. And so guests would arrive there by boat. And for a quarter of a century, it was the most desirable alpine lodging in America. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. And then in 1942, the lodging was discontinued. And again, this chalet was dismantled in 1948. I guess the popularity on this place declined when they opened the Going to the Sun Road in 1933, because at that point... It was no longer wilderness and visitors could actually drive further, you know, all the way across that section of the park. Right. So the roads that they started building the park kind of made some of these chalets obsolete in the sense that you could get much farther into the park just on the roads. There was another one way up in the northern part of the park called Goat Haunt. And it was a stopover for horse parties that used to do the North Circle Tour. I think up there, people could also arrive by train, but it just wasn't that popular. And so during World War II, and they just saw the visitorship decline, and then the and the buildings fell into disuse and disrepair, and, and they removed it in 1952. Yeah, so all of these chalets kind of had the same fate. Uh, their popularity declined, whether it was because of the Depression or war. They fell into disuse, they became eyesores, and they were taken down. I know someone had originally told us that all of these chalets burned down. But after doing the research, we found out that only one burned down, and that was Many Glacier Chalet, which burned down during the massive Heaven's Peak Fire in 1936. Not to be confused with Many Glacier Lodge, right. which is still there. Mm -hmm. uh, thank God, yes. Yeah, and, and so the Many Glacier Chalet burnt. And another one that um, Mother Nature did in was Gunsight at Gunsight Lake, which opened in 1911. And it was like a, what, a mini, mini glacier hotel? Yeah, I guess that's what it looked like. It was destroyed by an avalanche in 1916. But even before then... 
They had some major grizzly bear damage to the chalet during the winter of 1913 to 1914. So Mother Nature did in Gunsight Chalet. I'm really curious as to what the grizzly bear did to the chalet. And, and how do they even know that it was a grizzly bear? Yeah, well, like, why Why would he be messing with the chalet? Do you think know. they, like, left some food in there? That's what I was thinking, because it happened during the off-season, during the winter when nobody was there. I don't know. Maybe the grizzly left a calling card. Maybe there oh. was some, some scat around, okay. and they could figure it out. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is... There are three that are still left, three of those original 10. There is the Belton Chalet, the very first chalet ever built that some of you may have stayed in. We've stayed there. Now, the Belton Chalet sits on Highway 2. It's across from the railroad depot at the west entrance to the park. It is not currently a backcountry chalet that you hike to. It's a hotel that you can drive to. Yeah, but back in 1910 when it opened, there was no Highway 2. So now you can drive to it, but the highway wasn't there back when it was built. And so visitors arrived by train. They got off the train. They needed somewhere to stay. So they stayed right there at the Belton Chalet. So in a sense, it was kind of in the wilderness when it was built. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it was it was modest. It had a main lodge. It had two cottages and a dormitory. It's, it's a much more modern hotel now. And we'll talk more about the Belton Chalet in next week's episode when we talk about the other hotels in the park. Right. Another chalet that uh, we have a fond place in our hearts for is Sperry Chalet. It was built in 1913. And unfortunately, the Sprague fire that swept through in 2017, it burnt down the dormitory. There's two buildings up there, the the dining kitchen facility and the dormitory. The firefighters were able to save the dining hall, but the the dorm burnt down. And the public support for that uh, was so great that they raised funds and they rebuilt it and reopened it in 2020. Now, we had reservations in August 2017, but unfortunately, they closed the trail a week before we were supposed to hike up there. And then uh, shortly after our reservation, which we never made because the chalet was closed, it burnt down. It burnt down and at 3 a.m. on September 1st. It was, uh, yeah, it was very tragic. So but- we missed it. Uh, we missed seeing the original building mm-hmm. by a couple of weeks. Yes, we heard they rebuilt it to look exactly the same as it was before, but with additional fire safety improvements. Now, Sperry has 17 guest rooms that hold one to five people. And don't they provide three meals a day with your reservation? Yes, that's included as well, which is really nice. So you don't have to schlep your food up there on your back. I already like it. (laughs) And today we're talking about the other backcountry chalet that's still in operation, the Granite Park Chalet, which is a little more rustic than Sperry Chalet. They call it a hostel for hikers. Uh, Granite Park was built between 1914 and 1915, and the Granite Park Chalet does not have electricity. No, it doesn't. No, (laughs) uh, which means no heat. They have no running water, although there is a water source close by and the bathrooms are outhouses right right Right. so that's why they call it a hiker's hostel right so if you're looking for a place to plug your phone in to recharge (laughs) you'll be looking for a long time (laughs) there's no need to bring your hair straightener i found that out (laughs) no no which just adds to the ambiance of the place 
This summer, the chalet was open from June 28th through September 12th. Uh, now, this particular chalet has 12 guest rooms. They don't provide any meals. You have to cook your own. And the way it works is you can pack in your meals or you can pre-order their freeze-dried meals if you don't want to carry them. There's a community kitchen there. It's a pretty good-sized kitchen mm-hmm. with a huge stove. It's, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 burners there. Um, propane stove. There's also in that kitchen area, there's... Um, pots and pans that you can use. There's a water source that is a quarter mile away from the chalet. It's not just a creek. They're, the National Park Service actually has a setup there where they purify 100 gallons of water a day. Now that's for everyone who's in the area to use. They filter it and they chlorinate it. There's little jugs that they provide for each room. You can carry your jug down to the water source and, and fill it up and bring it back. And they have some bottled water for purchase. So you have a lot of options where the water is concerned. Not a lot of options where the bathroom is concerned. No, no, there no. is an outhouse with two toilets there. It's a two-holer. And uh, someone had asked us, where did we shower? <laughs> <laughs> we showered before and after the trip. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So let's talk about the specific trip. So we went towards the end of August this summer. We had two nights reservation up there. Now, the way the reservations work, both the Sperry and the uh, Granite Park Chalet have their own website, and the reservations open up sometime in January. I don't know what the date will be in 2022, but it's not so much a lottery. It's really first come, first serve. So you fill out the application and the dates you want, and you submit it, and they just start filling up the dates. Right. They fill up pretty quick. Um, We decided early on, before we made the reservations, that we we're going to go with our friends, John and Lolly. So we made a reservation for four people, knowing that some of the rooms held four people, uh, two sets of bunk beds. That's right. They sleep anywhere from one person, you know, if you want to go by yourself, up to six people per room. Uh, people ask us, why did we decide to share a room with John and Lolly instead of each getting our own room? Yeah, why did we do that? <laughs> I thought we would have a better chance of getting one room than if I put in for two rooms, because what if we were the the last application for that particular day and they had one room left? I didn't want them to bounce us out. And because we have traveled so much with John and Lolly, we've kind of gone through everything together. Right. So So it's kind of an all or nothing. Either all four of us got to go or none of us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. that, That makes sense. Yeah. And lo and behold... No one was more shocked than I was when I got an email that said we had a reservation. And it saves a little bit on the cost, too. We'll go through that in a minute. Yeah. So how do you get to Granite Park Chalet? There's actually uh, several different trails. First, we'll talk about the one that we took, Mm -hmm. the High Line Trail from Logan Pass, which is where the visitor center is up on the going to the Sun Road. That's the most popular. It's 7.6 miles, about 800 feet elevation gain. You hike along what's called the Garden Wall, and it's essentially the Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few steep drop-offs there at, <laughs> at the first, but they do have a, a cable that you can hold on to on some of the steeper drop-off areas. But I, I got to say, even if that cable weren't there, now that we have done that trail, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, you got to watch where you're going. Well, first of all, 
absolutely incredibly beautiful hike. Even if you just have time to do a day hike and you don't have reservations, we'd highly recommend it. There were a lot of exposed areas where you are walking along the trail and it's it's fairly wide, but boy, there is a drop off. I'd say at least half the trail is like that. Yeah, there's there's some drop offs. I mean, yeah. if you go over, it's, it's yeah. really bad trip, news. Yeah, yeah, so you do have to be careful. And if you uh, pass people on the trail, that's that's another mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it's a little narrow, so when people are coming towards you, it's good that you have this cable that people can hold on to as, as you're passing each other. Right, but that cable was only at the very first section. Right. And there yeah. are a lot of sections that don't have a cable. So just a heads up, if you have a fear of, of steep drop-offs and exposed areas, I don't know, this might not be the hike for you. But I kind of have a fear of that, and I made it through. So <laughs> Yeah, so that was the Highline Trail, mm-hmm. which is the one we took mm-hmm. going out to the chalet. There's also, you can hike the Loop Trail. Now, the Loop Trail, it's steeper, but it's shorter. It's 4.2 miles, but it has about a 2,200-foot elevation gain up to the chalet. And so we hiked out on the Loop Trail, and there is... On the going to the Sun Road, that shuttle stop, that area is called the loop because it's where the road makes a big hairpin turn. And there's a little parking area there. Now, the thing is for people like us who hiked out on the High Line and down on the loop, you are not ending up back at Logan Pass where your truck might be. Uh, We did the shuttle system, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, you do have to figure out where your cars are and where you're going to be ending up. Now, there's a third way you can get up to the chalet, which is the Swift Current Pass Trail. And that starts in the Many Glacier area. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's the hardest. It's Mm -hmm. 7.6 miles and 2,300 feet elevation gain. I think it's a spectacular hike. I would have liked to hike down that trail, but of course we would have ended up at Mini yeah. Glacier and we didn't have any we transportation from there. A long way. Right. But I guess that is absolutely beautiful. So we'll have to put that on the list as well. So talking about the transportation, why don't we mention that right now? Once we got the reservation for Granite Park, then we had to figure out the whole transportation issue. How were we going to get there? So a lot of you know that this summer, the park instituted a reservation system for all cars driving anywhere along that going to the Sun Road corridor. And they sold these online at the beginning of the season. And of course, they sold out like immediately. Yes. Now, for people who have hotel reservations in the going to the Sun Road corridor, like if you're at Lake McDonald Lodge, or if you have Granite Park or or Sperry reservations or the Village Inn, any of those, you get a free pass, so to speak. You can drive in. And we ran into a young man who had a reservation at Apgard Campground and the same deal. Mm-hmm. It, it allows you to get past the kiosk into the park. And then once you're there, you could, you could go up the going to the Sun Road. But even though the park is now limiting the number of cars that can enter and drive on going to the Sun Road. The traffic is less, but the parking is still a challenge. So where, if you're hiking to Granite Park Chalet, where are you going to park your car? And we kind of knew this going into it. Uh, We didn't want to fight the traffic because we had talked to rangers. They said, well, you know, if you get up there by 6 a.m., you'll probably find a parking spot, which we didn't want to do since we were hiking all day. So we decided to take the shuttle. 
That's right. They have a hiker shuttle. Now, this is another thing that you have to get online to make a reservation. And this year, I don't know, it'll be next year. This year, they went up for grabs on June 1st. And again, a lot of the times and dates sold out very quickly. So the way that works is you get a shuttle reservation for a particular hour on a particular day, and then they give you a wristband. And once you're on the shuttle system, you can get off where they stop and then get back on. You can ride it all day basically and so that's what we did both going up and then coming out now one one little trick we had to figure out is we go to the shuttle the morning that we're going to hike up to the chalet we got our wristbands for that day and there's a different color for every day but we weren't coming back for a couple of days so you you were smart enough to explain this to the person giving out the wristbands and saying well what do we do in two days when we come out, we won't have our wristbands. And so they were nice enough to give us that color wristband for two days in the future. So we had them with us. Right. But I did have a reservation. You That's did, the y- key thing. Yes, you did have a reservation. Mm-hmm. But it, had we not thought of that, we would have hiked out and then been sitting there at the bus stop and not had our wristbands. Right. Anyway, this this hiker shuttle is a great thing. You don't have to be a hiker if you just want to take it up to Logan Pass and look around. It's not a direct route up there. Um, it took us, we used it twice. It took us probably two hours to get up there both times. There's some stops and there's, you have to transfer. <laughs> there's a little waiting. Yeah. And if, if any member of your group is impatient, <laughs> you have to modify your expectations because it, it might take a while, but that's fine. It's, it's better than not getting up there at all or, or driving up there and not finding a parking spot. Yes. It takes the worry out of parking completely away. And boy, did we see a lot of cars circling. Anyway, well, let's talk about the actual experience. Um, so the day of our shuttle was leaving from um, Apgar Visitor Center. You can also take one from the St. Mary's on the east side of the park. So we got to the visitor center around 830 and we left our trucks there for the three days we were going to be gone. Yeah, and it's a pretty safe place mm-hmm. because other people are doing this also, right? I mean, it's not just us. So there, right. you know, there's, there's a handful of trucks in the parking lot every night. So left them there. We got on our very first shuttle there at the visitor center at 8.30, and it took two full hours to get to Logan Pass, 10.30. We took the big bus to <laughs> up to Avalanche Creek area, and then we got on a smaller bus that took us up to Logan Pass, which, you know, it's not that bad. A couple hours. We didn't have to drive. We could sleep sleep in the bus, get, a, get an extra nap in. That's right. Conserve our energy for the hike. So, yes, up there at Logan Pass is the beginning of the Highline Trail. So we headed out, and I have to say we were so lucky. It was a beautiful beautiful yeah, day. Yeah, we had really great mm-hmm. weather the day we hiked out. Yeah. So not a very difficult hike. I'm not going to say it's a straight line. There was a little up and down, but it kind of hugs that whole mountainside. And uh, it was... It yeah. wasn't too bad. I mean, we took more in our packs than we needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were kind of cursing the packs on our back. But uh, yeah, it was beautiful hike. Yeah. And it took us about four hours or so to get to the chalet. There were a lot more hikers on the trail than we had expected. 
to be going to Granite Park Chalet. And when we talked to some of them, it turns out they were doing a day hike to the chalet and then down the loop. And so if you do that as a day hike, it's about 12 miles. And then we even saw a few people running it (laughs) who had nothing but... (laughs) Uh, one small water bottle in their hands. And, and uh, yeah, so you can do that too. Is that something you're interested in, Matt? Because I, I, I think all you need is a pair of those little running shorts. And most of the guys we saw weren't even wearing shirts. No, I don't <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do it like that. <laughs> the, the ranger station would get a lot of bear sighting. <laughs> would get a lot of bear sighting calls. And people would have their bear spray out yeah, at the ready. I would get sprayed. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it that way. All right. It would make for some good videos, though. Yeah. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We should mention right before, about a mile before you get to the chalet, there is a turnoff that you can hike up further to a lookout over the, essentially the top of the garden wall down into, you can see Grinnell Glacier. Mm -hmm. And John and Lolly did that. We, We decided not to. Yeah, you see the chalet about, gosh, a mile and a half or two miles before you even get there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sitting out in a, a open area. It's at 6,700 feet elevation. When you're coming around on the trail and you first catch a glimpse of the chalet, it's like, I don't know, it's like seeing an oasis in the desert. <laughs> because you've seen so many oasis in deserts. <laughs> Is that what it looks like? It looks like a cabin on the top of a mountain. <laughs> Yes, but I was so happy to see it because, you know, we'd been hiking for quite a while and my pack was getting heavy. And then all of a sudden, when I spotted that chalet, I had renewed energy. That final mile always takes so much longer than you think. Yeah. And, you know, we hadn't seen very many photos of the chalet online, which I kind of like because then then you don't have any pre-existing expectations. But all of a sudden, you know, you go up this little trail and there it is. It was basically three separate buildings, all of which are built of stone and logs. So very Park Service rustic looking. Um, There's the main building that has the big communal room, and it has the kitchen and some of the guest rooms. And then there is a separate annex that has more guest rooms. And in the middle is um, an annex that's for the staff to stay in. And when you come up to that main building, you, you actually approach it from the back. So you're seeing the back side of the building. And the, so you have to go around to the front. The front faces out towards the park and has these incredible views of the valley. And there's some more picnic tables. There's a 
porch there and yeah it's just spectacular yeah when we came around to the front the the door to the front was locked did you, and for a second did we you thought, think they were oh, closed <laughs> yeah or they know the smiths are coming <laughs> lock the doors yeah well we were gonna sleep on the porch <laughs> man i dropped my pack i was done at that point me too So we met the staff when we checked in. Uh, They have one manager of the property, and then there were three other employees that assisted the manager. Yeah, so the four of them, they they took care of the place the whole summer long, and they they were a lot of fun. There was also a, a National Park Service ranger up there. She maintained the outhouse. I think she maintained the, the water filtration system and just general stuff that you might need a ranger for. Yeah. So this communal room was kind of a little bit of everything. It was the lobby. It was the check-in room. It was the dining room. They had a wood stove that was going. They had uh, a bunch of tables with benches and there was a place to buy snacks and things like water and Gatorade. Yeah. And we should say that in the chalet, particularly in that communal room, other hikers who come through that area, they're not allowed inside the communal room, but they do have a window where you can, if you're not a guest, you can come up to the window, you can buy Gatorade, water, candy bar. So they would do that as hikers came through. Right. And I think that's because of COVID. I believe in the past, hikers were welcome to come in and and hang out for a while. But now they have that front door locked. And unfortunately, day hikers cannot come in any longer. And then behind that communal room was the kitchen and an area that uh, you could store your food. So, so one of the rules was no food in the room. They don't want any reason for rodents to, to come into the room. They don't want crumbs. They don't want food stored in there. So there's uh, against one of the walls, they have shelves and they have these uh, little bins. You take all your food and you put it in your bins that correspond with your room number. So that's where all your food is. And you, and you have access to that the whole time you're staying there. When she said, this is because we don't want rodents in the room, it did make me a little nervous. <laughs> what, may, what made <laughs> me nervous? There was going to be a mouse on my head in the middle <laughs> <No>. of the night. <laughs> made me more nervous that I might not have access to my snacks at all times. <laughs> I think that, that that was my bigger anxiety. You just it's like, like well, to- what happens if like all of a sudden I want a snack? Where are my snacks? So in the middle of the night, you can't just reach your arm out and and pull the Cheez-Its out of your pack and start eating. Not unless you want a mouse running up your arm. (laughs) (laughs) So no, there's no no food in the rooms. Although I I have to admit, I'll I'll confess, the last day when we packed out and we were getting all of our trash and I did find a half eaten salami <laughs> that, I, that I well who ate the I other for, half well I, I had I had forgotten that I had it with me and it was sitting next to the bed oh, <laughs> but I like I didn't see little, any little teeth marks on it no I didn't uh, see any rodents at all so I'm sure you know they run a tight ship there at they, the they at Granite Park Chalet <laughs> but when Morgan the manager she takes everyone personally to their rooms which is kind of a nice touch and she told us I'm sure she says this to everyone oh you have one of the nicest rooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we were all excited. But I have to say, it was a really nice room. It was up on the second floor and it was on the corner. And we had a little balcony. Then she said it had a Western exposure so we could see the sunset. And it was really nice. Yeah. It just so happened the way the reservations turned out that there were four of us in a room and they put us in the room that had six beds. So mm-hmm. we had a little extra space. And also in the room, there were four, do you call those director's chairs? 
Yeah, yeah. just little fold-up canvas chairs yeah. that uh, we, we actually took those out onto the balcony. and That was like our happy hour yeah, spot. that was great. And then the other, the other option you have at Granite Park Chalet as far as bedding, you can bring your own sleeping bag and pillow, obviously, if you don't mind carrying them, or you can rent bedding ahead of time, and it costs $25 per person, and that includes a pillow, a pillowcase, sheets, and three blankets. Yeah, we were we were more than warm with three blankets. Matter of fact, we didn't need the three blankets. It was pretty cold when we went to bed. It was, you know, mid 40s. I think just the fact that four of us were in the room, just the body heat was <laughs> the room warmed up pretty quick. Well, it did and Lolly even had the window open. We had worried about being cold ahead of time, but it really wasn't an issue either night. Yeah, now we should say that um the cooking situation is that you share the cooking area, the stove, the kitchen area with another group. They organize the cooking by time. Every half hour, you sign up for a time. And that first day, because we were the new people, 4.30 was the only time (laughs) we could get. Yeah, we drew the short straw on that. Yeah, but I I, got to say, there's enough room in there. I mean, you do have to be respectful of what time you have, but I think you could have kind of gone down any time during the cooking hours and found a a burner or two to boil water or or cook there. Well, yeah. And for us, we brought all freeze-dried food. John and Lolly actually did some cooking. Uh, So for us, it was simple because all we needed was the teapot to boil water. We like to eat as much sodium as we can. (laughs) And so that's why we do the freeze-dried meals. Because when I sleep at night... My heart is beating so hard that I can feel the bed shake. I, I don't know if that's good for you. I don't know if it High is either. I could, I could actually feel the bed shake too, Matt, because I was on the top bunk. But I know a lot of people won't eat those freeze-dried foods because they're so high in sodium. But to be honest, it's, I don't know, it's never bothered me. No, and if you're doing these hard hikes and you're sweating a lot, it's probably something you need anyway. But I, I wouldn't recommend it for days in a row. No, or or at home for dinner when there's nothing yeah. to eat. Yeah, let's, I, let's not do that again. And I whip out the, the big can of chicken and noodles and then pretend like I made it myself. Yeah, that's, that's when I know you've given up. So we had a good uh, dinner, a good early dinner. But before we turned in for the night, we could see storm clouds yes. coming in. And unfortunately, we had known for days that the forecast was calling for rain on our second day. Yeah. Yeah. Also, before we went to bed, we got out the earplugs. There's a container of earplugs sitting on the check-in desk that are available for you to use. And you will need them. Yes. When the staff does the orientation of all guests, everybody has to go through an orientation. They tell you right off the bat that the walls are so thin. There is no insulation of any kind. And so literally the people in the room next to you talking sound like they're in your room. Oh, you can hear people breathing. And I'm I'm not talking about snoring. I'm talking about breathing. When when they pull their blanket over them, you can hear it. It it, it was a little spooky because it was like somebody was right next to us. And of course, they're on the other side of the wall. 
And Morgan had told everyone that quiet hours start at 10. She was asking everybody to please, you know, keep keep voices down. But by 10 o'clock, there wasn't a sound. No, there wasn't. Uh, but I, I will say like 8.30 when people were gathering, kind of starting to go to bed and people all, all excited and talking about their day and a lot of loud voices, put those earplugs in and... You can't hear anything. Well, <laughs> well, there was kind of a symphony of snoring going well, on. I'm not sure who it was yeah, I don't because know. it was coming from all directions. <laughs> yeah. I know where some of it was coming from. <laughs> I think our, our good buddy, John, I think. Uh, our the- good buddy, Karen. <laughs> at, at one point I heard moaning. I don't know where that okay, came from. Okay, that wasn't me. <laughs> it was... But yeah, night terrors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, snoring sounds from the room behind us and the room next to us. So yeah, one one big happy community up there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will I will admit to making some noise in the middle of the night. I that first night I got a, up a couple of times in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, go, go down to the outhouse, and and I don't know, I dropped something off of the chair and it made a loud noise yeah you were making a lot of crinkling noises i don't it think sounded was. like you were wrapping christmas presents over there <laughs> i don't no, know what you were doing i, I was not <laughs> i was just preparing to go to the outhouse <laughs> but we should say they told us anytime you're walking around outside like if you're going to the outhouse or you're going down to the water uh, system you have to take your bear spray yeah, I forgot to do that. I had a little bit of a panic at two o'clock in the morning and I was at the outhouse and I realized I didn't have my bear spray and Matt. it was foggy out. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah, I, I know. I, and I was only I'm glad a, you didn't a tell me that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so remember your bear spray, folks. And sure enough, the next morning when we woke up, it was pouring down rain pouring it was pouring down rain but one bright spot was in that little room of ours with the roof overhead and the rain hitting the roof and we're in our bunk beds with blankets i mean that was pretty cozy it was cozy i don't know if we described this when we were talking about our room but the floors are made of stone the all of the walls are made of logs and the ceiling is also made of logs and the ceiling over my bunk bed was low yeah the sound of the rain was so nice so it was a little uh, a little disappointing in that we had planned on going for some hikes, but uh, we still had a fantastic day. One, one of the cool things was that first morning we were there, it happened to be one of the days that the mule train comes to resupply the chalet. So they bring the five mules and, and mm-hmm. a couple of horses, a couple of packers, and they bring all fresh supplies up and they take the containers with the dirty sheets or whatever else that has to go down. They come up the loop trail and then go back down the loop trail. So probably a lot of hikers have seen them back going back and forth. They come twice a week up to the chalet. Right. It was very cool to see the mules. They stood outside in the outside of the main building for quite a while. So we, we got some pictures and some video, but yeah, they were so sweet. Well, fortunately, it didn't rain hard all day. The kind of the rain stopped. And, but it was super foggy. We just said we, we weren't just going to sit in, in our room the whole day. We wanted to do several hikes. We hiked up to Swift Current Pass because we wanted to see over over the pass, down to the Many Glacier area. 
And we could see about 10 feet in front of us <laughs> when we got to the top. We could tell that we had, we were at the top because it, it started going down for a mm. long way. Yeah, there are a lot of incredible day hikes to do up there, which is why we had built in an extra day. As Matt mentioned before, there's that Grinnell Glacier Overlook that we didn't do the day before. So we had we were going to do that one. We wanted to do Swift Current Pass Overlook. And also along that same trail is a turnoff to the Swift Current Fire Tower Lookout, which is the highest fire tower in the park. You wanted to hike up there. I did. And also we found out, I didn't know that, it's staffed. Yeah, there's there was a park employee who lives up there, and it's essentially a fire spotter. In fact, when the mule train left the Granite Park Chalet, they headed up there to take her food and supplies. Yeah, I think that would, would be a cool summer job, don't you, to stay up there in the fire tower all summer? I would stay up there all year round. <laughs> I know you would. If a mule would come <laughs> twice a week and bring me stuff, and I could like leave a list with the mule uh-huh. of stuff that they need to bring back the next Tuesday or Thursday. Oh, yeah, I'd live up there. I don't know if whiskey and Cheez-Its, though, would be on their list of, of things to bring. Of course. <laughs> if you live up there, they'll bring you anything you want. Uh, we did find out that this uh, woman who was working up there for the summer, she does, of course, get days off, you know, two days in a row. She has to hike way, way, way far to get back to civilization. But they said that there are other fire spotters in the park, other fire tower lookouts who, who cover for her, who can kind of see the same terrain. Yeah, they don't go up to that same lookout. They can see her terrain from their lookout. And so that's how they cover. No, I would spend my off days at the lookout. <laughs> I know you would. And see, if we could have made it up there, we could have added it to the summer of the fire tower lookout. Well, we could have gone up there, but it was we wouldn't have been able to see more than 10 feet. So it just didn't make sense to climb a thousand feet of vertical elevation to see see the fog that we were already seeing. Mm-hmm. There's also another trail that we did a tiny part of, and it actually goes all the way to Goat Haunt. You could basically take that all the way up to Canada <laughs> if yeah, you it wanted was, it to. Was, yeah, it was an extension of the High Line. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So a lot of great trails up there. Again, sadly, our day was pretty much uh, shrouded in fog and rain. So just another reason we have to go back. Yeah, but we rallied. We came back. We had lunch. We played cards uh, yeah, for a while. A uh, we took a two-hour <laughs> nap. I think it even rained during our nap, so that mm-hmm. made it even better time to, to sleep. We still had a, a great day. That night, we got a six o'clock time to cook. And there's a real sense of camaraderie there. We met a lot of uh, the other hikers, and you know, we swapped stories. And the staff, every night at 7.30, they have what they call a coffee, where they have they serve coffee and hot chocolate and apple cider, and then they talk about something, whether it's the history or you can ask them questions. They talk about themselves and their lives. It's it's a great gathering place. So there really is plenty to do, even on a rainy day. Now, the next day, it was still foggy, but it wasn't raining on us. Uh, so we packed up in the morning. Essentially, it's a lot easier to pack for leaving than pack for coming because you just keep shoving stuff into your backpack <laughs> until everything's gone. One, one thing you have to do is you have to pack out all your trash. 
Now, food waste, there is a compost bin that you can put your food waste, and there's a couple of other things that you can leave. They were collecting the freeze-dried packages, but really everything else you had to pack out. So you had to strap the trash on our back. Yeah, we we had some empty Gatorade bottles and water bottles and just general trash. Uh, all of our uh, <laughs> all of our various wet wipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things that, like that were that. put in my backpack for some reason. <laughs> I kept finding them. You were the trash man but, on that particular hike. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> our packs were a little lighter mm-hmm. going out. Uh, and we hiked out, like we said before, we hiked down the Loop Trail. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a lot easier than I had expected it, was, it to there, be. And I'm sure coming up it, it's more strenuous. But it was actually kind of a nice, easy walk down. We did see quite a bit of bear poop, bear scat on the uh, trail, but we didn't see any bears We didn't. They had warned us that this was a bear activity area because there are a lot of bushes that have berries and things. So we were ready to see bears. We didn't see any bears the entire time, the whole trip. Yeah. Speaking of bears, let's talk about the wildlife in that area. Let's do. What wildlife would you see? We saw mountain goats from a distance. Mm Mm-hmm. And we saw some bighorn sheep very close. Oh, yeah. They were right by the Highline Trail. So that was cool. There's a really good chance, I think probably most people see a bear if they're doing that whole loop trail, at least one. We did not see any bears. We didn't. I'm really surprised. They probably saw us. I'm yeah, guessing. and it was, it was pretty foggy, so they could have been there. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was one right next to the outhouse at 2 o'clock <laughs> in the, the morning. He was watching yeah. you. Yeah, but he couldn't see me. <laughs> but he could smell you. <laughs> I No, I don't think he could smell me. I couldn't smell myself, even though I hadn't bathed in a couple of days with the outhouse there. I, I don't think he's going <laughs> to smell anything. Yeah, the outhouse was a little fragrant, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, by the time we got down to going to the Sun Road, uh, we hadn't waited, you know, probably two minutes and a hiker shuttle came by and picked us up. So it took us back to Apgar to our trucks and we said our goodbyes to John and Lolly because they were headed home that day. And we were going to the Glacier Park Hotel, which is on the east side of the park for two nights. And that was a lot of fun. We'll talk more about that on next week's episode. But also let's talk about what we brought. Yeah. What we brought and what, what made sense and after we did it what didn't make sense well first of all the clothes and we always struggle with that because you never know exactly what the weather's going to be like and how cold it's going to be and so we brought layers we brought some wool long underwear of course we brought our raincoats we brought like wool knit hats and gloves so we wanted to be prepared for if it got cold and if it rained Right. We had rain jackets. None of us, the four of us, had rain pants. Oh, and we had our Crocs. We did have our Crocs. <laughs> uh, th- those are good camp shoes. That's what I wore to the outhouse in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> now, like we said, we brought freeze-dried food. Really, you, you want to bring food that's light. You don't want to bring a lot of extra. I did bring snacks. We brought whiskey and wine, you know, a little bit. Yeah, the rule is you are allowed to bring alcohol. You cannot drink alcohol in that communal room. You're allowed to drink it in your own guest room and outside. We also brought camp chairs, Mm -hmm. uh, our little fold-up camp chairs, which we didn't need. So we could have left those at home. And and like we said, you are not allowed to use jet boil uh, stoves up there in the buildings. 
and you didn't need it. So that was also something I had brought, which would have saved some weight in my pack because I didn't need that. But you always bring your headlamps. Uh, we always bring two, just in mm-hmm. case. Bear spray is necessary. And and you brought our little battery-operated Christmas lights, like the little twinkly ones. Yeah, and that was fun <laughs> to just add a little bit of light to the inside of the room. And they, they don't weigh much. Um, of course, we had our 10 essentials. You don't have to take much, really, John and Lolly just used a regular size backpack. We we did have our big ones. Yeah. But. but those big ones are also, even if you don't fill them up, they're really comfortable because they hug your body and they have really thick uh, hip pads. So the cost, let's talk about the cost for a minute. Um, the cost for this year, 2021, it was $117 per night for the first person, and then $82 for each additional person in the room. So they really charge by the person, not just the room. Good thing they didn't charge by the pound. <laughs> I think we got a deal. Mm, I think so too. Uh, now the Sperry Chalet is quite a bit more expensive, but at the Sperry Chalet, they actually cook your meals for you. So it includes three meals a day. And it also includes your bedding, so you don't have to pay the extra 25 for that. All their prices are on their websites. Yeah, but we should say, and we're talking about the Granite Park Chalet, guests need to be completely self-sufficient. Like bring your own food, be able to boil your own water, make your own meals, all of that. Really kind of the only thing that staff will do for you is they will wash the pots and pans if you use them. Right. It's 100% self-service. There yeah. is no one that is doing anything for you. And it was so. perfectly fine. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And then it's really enjoyable if you go in with that mindset. Right. You know what I was thinking about, Matt? What were you thinking about? I was looking at a map that shows the original location of all 10 chalets. And most of them were in areas that are now developed. But two of them, Gunsight and Goat Haunt, would still be in the backcountry if they hadn't been destroyed. Uh, You know, one of the reasons that Sperry was rebuilt so quickly was because the Glacier National Park Conservancy raised funds from the community. And and they had contributions coming in from citizens in every state and nine other countries. Yeah, that was really great that the, the kind of response people had donating money to rebuild that. But what if enough money could be raised to rebuild Gunsight and Goat Haunt and, and rebuild them the way they used to be 100 years ago? Yeah, that would be cool. And, you know, it's it's kind of ironic that the chalets fell out of favor in the 30s and 40s. But if they were here today, they would be wildly popular, just like Sperry and Granite Park are. Maybe we need to get a, a GoFundMe uh, going oh, yeah. for to raise money for Gunsight and Goat Haunt. Who's in? Who's we, in? We'll put you in charge of that. <laughs> okay. You might want to check with the NPS first since it's their land you'd be building on. <laughs> Good idea. I I think everyone who has the chance to stay at, at Granite Park, and I'm sure it's the same with Sperry, has a, a very unique and special experience up there. You know, staying in a place where park visitors have been going for over 100 years. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The history makes it interesting, too. Like you said, I mean, you're, you're pretty much having the same experience people had decades ago, 100 years ago. And, and to be able to wake up there right outside the window, you have these amazing views. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic experience. I'm glad we did it. I can imagine that we might do it again. Yes. Well, next on my list is Sperry. So we need to uh, try to get reservations for there and um, make up for 2017. Yeah. And I hear the trail up to Sperry Chalet is pretty tough. 
So maybe not so many hot fudge sundaes from McDonald's (laughs) for me. Yeah, we'll be having an intervention as soon as we're done recording here. (laughs) Yeah, next week we are going to do an episode also on Glacier National Park. And then there we'll talk about our favorite hikes throughout the different areas of the park. and, And we'll also talk about some of the incredible historic lodges. Plus some jaw-dropping viewing spots and a couple of really good eating options. Ooh, I like food. (laughs) I know you do, honey. Thank you all for joining us today. If you've enjoyed our show, we'd really appreciate a five-star review or rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll post the website links for both Granite Park and Sperry Chalet in our show notes. Those can be found on www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future podcast episodes or a question for our mailbag, you can send those to Matt and Karen Smith at gmail.com. And you can follow our travels on Instagram at Matt and Karen Smith and on Facebook at Dear Bob and S. And we should mention after having a Twitter account for five years, <laughs> we decided to start tweeting. I think it's I think it's time. Finally. Yes. And I like it because you are in charge of all that. Yeah. You are the manager of Twitter. And I guess that makes me the assistant manager. Well, you're the assistant to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the assistant manager yet. But there's hope. Is there uh, hope? Well, we'll see how you do. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at Matt and Karen. <laughs>